0: Hello, Knowledge Seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman, a pivotal work that examines the profound impact television has on the caliber of public discourse. Written in 1985, this book asserts that America has transitioned from a society shaped by the written word to one dominated by the allure of television and a penchant for entertainment which in turn diminishes the seriousness with which we approach vital civic conversations. Neil Postman, the author, stands out as a distinguished social critic, communication theorist, and education expert. Over his illustrious career spanning four decades, Postman held a professorship at New York University and shared his insights through the publication of over 20 influential books, including The End of Education and How to Watch TV News. Amusing ourselves to death is essential reading, not just for media scholars, communication theorists and philosophers, but also for anyone keen on the dynamics of public debates and the interplay between media and culture. It's an incisive text for newspaper journalists, devoted readers and television viewers who are interested in the consequences of media evolution on public discourse and, by extension, on the very fabric of society. Join us as we explore the critical questions Postman raises about the content and form of our cultural conversations in an age of entertainment. Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business Introduction The Media Metamorphosis How Modern Platforms Alter Our Reception of Reality. Imagine a world where knowledge is not a sip from the fountain of wisdom, but rather a barrage of brightly colored candies, thrown at us at breakneck speed, sweet, instant, and ultimately unsatisfying. That's our modern media landscape. Yet it wasn't always so. Once, newspapers reigned supreme, and the printed word was king. But alas, the print empire has crumbled giving way to the flashy dominion of television and the internet, repositories of bite-sized information morsels crafted for your delight, not your enlightenment. In this landscape, the very fabric of society changes with the medium through which it's woven. We now navigate an ocean of headlines and hashtags, barely skimming the surface of any given topic. This shift has profound implications. It shapes our political discourse, our cultural norms, and even the ways we interact with one another. Today's journey takes us on a retrospective path that not only examines the evolution of media, but questions the ramifications of amusement taking the front seat, pushing depth and substance to the back. You'll discover the reasons television can't replace the sanctuary of thoughtful contemplation, how a historical giant like Abraham Lincoln wielded words as a weapon of authenticity, and finally, How our current television culture sounds an alarm reminiscent of Aldous Huxley's forewarnings. Prepare to dive into a narrative that dissects our collective descent into entertainment and probes the possibility of a return to a more cerebral media engagement. Part 1. The Shifting Sands of Truth. How media evolution influences our conception of reality. The quest to define the American essence is akin to catching a reflection in shifting waters, ever-changing, intangible, multifaceted. Sure, it's wrapped up in grand ideals like equality and democracy, but these terms offer only a vague contour of the true American experience. To truly understand America's core, one must turn to its cities, each a mirror to the era it epitomizes. In the swell of the 19th century, A surge of immigrants painted New York City with a vast spectrum of humanity, capturing the essence of America's diversity. The 20th century's narrative found its anchor in the industrious heart of Chicago, encapsulating both the nation's commercial vigor and its relentless march toward progress. And now, the very soul of modern America is most vividly on display in the neon-lit theatrics of Las Vegas a metropolis consecrated to the gods of entertainment. This journey to a Vegas-centric identity underscores a broader odyssey, the evolution of communication mediums and the consequent metamorphosis of content that they engender. The dawn of human expression heralded the supremacy of the spoken word, a purely auditory medium that bounded the bonds of communication. However, with the gracefully etched script of the written alphabet, Language transcended its ephemeral nature, acquiring a physicality that lent itself to scrutiny and introspection. The art of writing birthed intellectuals across every discipline, from philosophers who pondered existence to scientists who sought to decipher the universe's fabric. These thinkers were united by a medium that championed deep, analytical engagement with the world. But today, a profound change washes over us. The typographical tide is receding and in its wake televised images surge forth dominating the landscape of public discourse. Yet this visual medium struggles, like a fledgling bird against a gale, to carry the weight of complex intellectual content on its wings. Our concern lies in the recognition that the prevailing medium of an era inevitably moulds our understanding of truth and legitimacy. Picture this. You emerge proud and resplendent, from the hallowed halls of Harvard, a freshly minted doctorate in hand. Our lingering print-based culture demands tangible evidence, a printed testimonial of your scholarly triumph, for the spoken claim alone falls short in the eyes of your peers. However, as television's glittering allure enchants our society, the veneer of appearances gains credence, sometimes surpassing the steadfast authenticity of the written word. Subsequently. As we drift further into television's embrace, our perceptions of truth and the very fabric of public discourse are shifting beneath us, imperceptible as the softest whisper of turning pages. Part 2 The Print Powered Past When America was a nation of readers, cast your mind back to a very different America, where the thrill of Super Bowl Sunday is replaced with the rustle of pages turning en masse. It might seem remote. But there was indeed a time when the written word reigned supreme over America's collective consciousness. Books and pamphlets were the cultural touchdowns of the day. In the late 18th century, the American air was thick with the scent of fresh ink and the fervor for texts. Thomas Paine's Common Sense, a small pamphlet with mighty influence, was so voraciously consumed it was as though each word quenched a profound societal thirst with almost half a million copies printed for a nascent nation of 2.5 million, one can vividly imagine the pamphlet in the hands of every literate soul, sparking dialogues in every cobblestone street and fireside gathering. Indeed, the turn of the 19th century saw America holding discourse not through voices in the town square, but through the written words that danced across the columns of newspapers. A literate public meant that newspapers rippled through society, connecting Americans in a nationwide dialogue. This was a time when thoughts unfolded in print and the pen's strokes were the vectors of debate and discussion. The prominence of the written word in the public sphere was mirrored in the oratory sophistication of political figures. To illustrate, the presidential campaign of 1860 showcased Abraham Lincoln and his opponent, Stephen A. Douglas, locked in verbal duels that spanned hours, brimming with the linguistic intricacies of the written form. Their protracted speeches were not just oral presentations, but literary productions delivered aloud, laden with complex language one would encounter in the depths of a well-argued essay. An interesting note about this literary epoch. Public figures, including presidents, were known primarily by their words, not their faces. Imagine, a time when the president could pass by unnoticed, not a celebrity, but a civil servant, whose value lay in the ideals he expressed and the written positions he defended. Today's landscape is starkly different, where a leader's face is instantly recognized and their words often secondary. This transition from a world built on the foundation of prose to one where the visual dictates our perceptions, highlights the evolution from an America intimately connected with the printed page to one beguiled by the luminescence of screens. Part Three, From Morse to Multimedia. The technological dawn of show business envision a time when the furthest distances information could span were bound by the tireless hooves of a horse or the chugging rhythm of a train. Communication was a marathon. Its speed was decidedly human. Yet with a single invention, the telegraph, the game changed. Information was no longer shackled by geography. It could flash across continents, moving faster than ever before. Telegraphy was not just a technological marvel. It heralded an upheaval in the essence of communication itself. With this new rapidity came a new kind of content, instantaneous and fragmented. It defied the very nature of conventional information. The telegraph had little regard for context or consequence, its missives were quick and ephemeral. One could hear about Princess Adelaide's illness across the ocean, as swiftly as if she were a local, but the why and what next was lost in transmission. Henry David Thoreau predicted the triviality that would come with such swift exchanges. His words now echo as an uncanny prophecy of our current information climate. The Telegraph's snippets, laden with facts but devoid of depth, stood as a stark contrast to the richly contextual narratives woven into the fabric of print media. Alongside telegraphy, the mid-19th century also bore witness to photography's ascent. These two entities danced in syncopation to the beat of an emerging modern culture. If telegraphy was the rapid rhythm, then photography was the compelling visual allure that captivated the masses. By the century's twilight, the credo, a picture is worth a thousand words, cemented itself in the psyche of advertisers and publishers alike, thus began America's gradual pivot from the definitive black and white of print to the nuanced grays and vivid colors of the photographic lens. The act of reading to comprehend gave way to the instinctual immediacy of seeing to believe, though a photograph, much like a telegraph, offered fleeting snapshots stripped of their broader tapestry. As kindred spirits, Telegraphy and photography laid the cornerstone for the era of spectacle, an epoch in which context-diluted information swirls in a ceaseless cyclone of entertainment. This very ethos of dislocated information reaches its zenith in the world of television, a realm where context is not the hero but a forgotten relic in the tapestry of modern narratives. Part 4. When Screens Dictate the Narrative the transformation of discourse into entertainment think of the moment when the light bulb was seen as a novelty a flameless candle if you will or when the first cars were seen as speedy steeds it's human nature to perceive the dawn of technology as little more than an extension of the old a mere magnification of what we already know and it was no different with television initially misunderstood as a vibrant heir to the printing press the truth is Television is not a descendant of print, but a showman's stage crafted in the spirit of telegraphy and photography. It is, put simply, the embodiment of entertainment. The American television does not portray life's drama, but sings it, produces a ceaseless stream of imagery at the simple command of a touch. These images are crafted to captivate, they're straightforward, designed to deliver aesthetic pleasures, to spark an emotional chord, their aim to entertain. On this glowing stage, everything must dazzle. Even the purportedly grave matters become spectacles. Take the nightly news, with its orchestral overtures and cinematic scores woven into the fabric of current events. These are not mere bulletins, but narratives, adorned with musical cues that guide the audience's emotions, much like the score of a blockbuster film. Anchors, bearers of grim tales from across the globe, dawn-marked masks of professionalism that seldom veer from a singular tone, whether forecasting sunny skies or delivering the solemn news of a catastrophe. The result? An uneasy equilibrium between storytelling and journalism. The same can be said for televised debates. Here, the victor wields not the sharpest argument, but employs the best performance. In the luminous realm of television... Impressions eclipse logic, and charm often usurps substance. And then there are the commercials, those short intermissions that flirt with farce, casually juxtaposing existential threats and sandwich promotions, blending them into a surreal tapestry. It's a humorous, if not slightly troubling, paradox. As television assumes the mantle of the dominant medium, it reshapes public discourse in its own lurid image. The consequence is a redefined arena of exchange, one where the absurdity of entertainment and the gravity of genuine discourse are no longer distinct, but rather blurred in a hypnotic dance of images and sound bites. Part 5, Where Sacred Meets Screen, Television's Reimagining of Religion and Politics As television's tendrils extended into every corner of American life, the notion took root, that it could capture and convey even the most sacred and mysterious facets of existence. Today, not only is television a lens into worldly affairs, but it has also become, for some, a conduit to the divine. And so emerged the spectacle of televised religion, a diverse array of programs and televangelists, each claiming a pixelated path to spiritual enlightenment. Yet, television morphs the holy into entertainment, much like how it reframes the news into an engaging production. The error is to equate the televised with the sacred rituals of a church. Television's regular dalliance with the profane, be it betrayal, violence, or sin, erodes its capacity to be a vessel for the sacred. Bereft of an aura of mystique, the religious experience on TV inevitably loses its depth. In lieu of genuine sanctity, television compensates with captivating visuals. Religious shows don elaborate sets including flower arrangements, glistening fountains, or harmonizing choirs, a feast for the eyes and ears, if not the soul. This medium spares not even the realm of politics from its theatrical inclinations. Take Ronald Reagan, who foresaw the confluence of politics and show business even in 1966. With his ascent to the presidency years later, his words proved prophetic, but only within the context of television's dominance. On the screen, politics distills down not to ideological commitments, but to the charisma and image of the candidates, fueling the misguided notion that appearance equates to ability and virtue. Equally transformative has been the impact of advertising on political discourse. As television birthed the 32nd political commercial, so too was birthed a culture that esteems the succinct over the substantive. In this fast-paced sales pitch of ideas, there's an insinuation, dangerous in its simplicity, that political issues come with instant foolproof fixes. In television's brightly lit studios, both religion and politics dance to the same tune, one of showmanship over substance, of sensation over sanctity. As TV waves crash against the shores of these ancient institutions, They reshape them into forms unrecognizable to the contemplative mind, forms that entertain first and inquire second. Part 6. The Screen's Lesson Plan Television's Impact on Education and a Huxleyan Caution In today's world, the glow of the television screen competes fiercely with the school chalkboard, with children absorbing as much, if not more, from their time with remote controls as they do with textbooks, It's as if television has become an informal curriculum, a daily lecture for attentive viewers of all ages. Yet, what television imparts is a vastly different philosophy of education, one that is as constrained as it is constraining. All television content, even when it seeks to educate, adheres to a trio of unwritten rules. Firstly, it must be digestible with no prior knowledge assumed. Continuity and sequence, those stalwarts of traditional education, are abandoned. Television has no patience for the meticulous, step-by-step journey through arithmetic leading to the mastery of algebra. It lacks the luxury of time for a structured lesson. Secondly, television peddles the illusion of instant understanding. No effortful studying, no laborious memorization, no grappling with complex concepts, no perseverance through intellectual challenge, these are absent in the television classroom. Thirdly, the storytelling format prevails. It replaces rigorous arguments, hypotheses, and reflective discourse with narratives designed to entertain, not educate. The resulting philosophy is not education at all, but rather a type of entertainment that poses as knowledge, creating an impression of learning without the substance that should underlie it. Yet paradoxically, The very existence of such shallow infotainment could be television's inadvertent service to society, as a haunting echo of a Huxleyan warning. Aldous Huxley, in his prescient novel Brave New World, portrayed a society enraptured by technologies that anesthetized critical thought and drowned truth in a deluge of trivia. Under Huxley's pen, culture was reduced to a hollow mockery. As television redefines public discourse, Whether in politics, education, or religion, into variegated shades of entertainment, such warnings no longer seem the fabric of mere science fiction. Facing this flickering form of discourse, we would do well to heed the cautionary tale. Television's growing influence invites us to consider the prospect that America, wrapped in its televised cloak, might inadvertently drift towards Huxley's imagined dystopia. It is a call to preserve a culture where depth, thought, and substance remain at the core of public conversation, lest we find ourselves living within the pages of a world we once read about as fiction. Final summary The rise of television has unfurled the red carpet, not to the realm of wisdom, but to the dazzling empire of show business. Embraced by the masses, the once passive act of consuming information has become akin to an audience's nightly pilgrimage, to a theatre of screens. A place where every act, from the sacred to the civic, plays out as entertainment. In classrooms and living rooms alike, television channels its philosophy, replacing the sequential rigour of education with the immediacy of visual anecdotes. Politics, too, has donned the guise of performance, with leaders transformed into actors on a public stage their worth measured by applause-meters, rather than substantive debate. Like an omnipresent pulpit, television bestows sanctity upon the profane, morphing religious worship into televised pageantry, from hymns to commercial jingles, the sacred and secular intermingle in an unholy alliance. And yet, beneath this tapestry lies a profound warning, one drawn from the pages of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. This amusement-infused culture with its continuous erosion of contemplation and critique, inches ever closer to a future where influence and intention are diluted in a sea of distractions. If this narrative remains unchecked, the feared dystopia Huxley envisioned could crystallize into our reality. It falls upon us to be vigilant, to discern the thread of performance from the fabric of truth, and to foster a world in which thoughtful discourse holds dominion over the enchanting allure of the spectacle.